Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Hey, I'm really excited that uh, we recently hired some new youth pastors, and um, we're excited to introduce them to you. They're going to be starting in just a few weeks toward, well, the beginning of May. They'll be with us. Uh, on staff, and they're going to be moving from, uh, from Florida, in the Ormond Beach area. And uh, you're thinking, why would somebody move from Ormond Beach to Indiana, Pennsylvania? Um, but I told them there was a beach here, so don't tell them until they get here. So, uh, but no, they're excited about what God's doing here, and they're excited about the vision. So I want to introduce them to you today, though, via video. So if we could, guys, let's go ahead and roll that video of Ricky and Danielle Ingram. What's up, Summit Church? My name is Ricky, and this is my wife, Danielle. Hey, guys. We are so excited to be joining the Summit family as the new youth pastors. Yes, we are. We can't wait to meet you, to get to know you, and just do life with you. Yes, we have so much in store for you guys. We want to see you guys reach your schools, plan events, small groups, and my personal favorite is youth camp. I believe that every student, as they come into a service, they should have an encounter with God. Yes, and we have a heart for worship. We plan to develop a dynamic, student-led worship team. We believe in the importance of worship, not only in a service setting, but as a lifestyle. The Bible says, without vision, people will perish. I believe in Pastor Mel and Miss Kim and their vision for the house. I believe that God is up to something mighty at Summit, and we are excited to be a part of it. So as we pray for you guys, you guys pray for us. Um, We will see you guys real soon. We are excited. We cannot wait. Go Penn State. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. What a suck up. <laughs> um, and just so you know, um, he said go Penn State, but he was wearing a New York Giants hat, so <laughs> it's kind of a wash. It's a kind of a wash. So uh, we're excited about them joining the team. Uh, they are fantastic, and their kids are beautiful. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about them being a part of our Summit family. Uh, so like I said, they will be joining us at the beginning of May. So parents of teenagers, make sure you get your kids here um, anytime. But especially after Ricky and Danielle get here, it's going to be a really exciting season for our church and for our youth ministry. Uh, speaking of exciting seasons, our church has been through a lot in the history of this body. We were founded in 1948, um, and a lot of things have happened since then, and ebbs and flows and changes and growth and all kinds of different things. Um, but, and I said this, I said this before, I think when I first came, maybe the first weekend I was here back in 2014, I said, what God is going to do is not just because of us, but it's because of people that have come before us. And I'm excited that I get to introduce you to some of our former pastors today. And, uh, and we're so appreciative of them and their efforts and what they've done to help us get to where we are today. Because um, the successes that we are having is because of God, but it's also because someone went before us and paved the road and they, they plowed some dirt up and sometimes they plowed some concrete and they did some hard work to make it possible to see us uh, be a part of what God's doing here in our presence today. So I want to introduce, first of all, uh, Carrie and Marge Schaefer. Uh, Carrie and Marge, if you guys would stand. These guys were pastors here of the Summit Church from 1983 to 1985. And guys, we're so appreciative of you. Thank you. You can be seated. 
Um, their son, Wayne, is actually a friend of mine, pastors a great church over in Altoona, and I never put it together that Wayne's dad was the pastor of our church. And so, um, so it was really exciting to get to meet them and talk to them. And I love their heart. I love what they're doing. After they left the summit, they've planted churches. They were part of uh, a, a district-level leadership of the Assemblies of God and helped uh, bring oversight into some different areas. And so we appreciate them being with us today and worshiping with us today. And I'm also excited that Don and, and Linda Heslip are with us today as well. They were pastors of this church from 1991. I said I wasn't going to cry today for 2003. And I'm so appreciative of them because, uh, let me reel it in. These guys, they helped us get this property uh, purchased that we sit on today. Um, if, if, if you're not sure, our old building was over on Church Street between 14th and 15th. It's still there today. It's Life Steps. Uh, so it's on the north side of the road. Drive by there sometime. You'll see where we used to be. So they moved from that location here. We bought this property. They built this building. And um, when they built this building, it was a leap of faith. And I told Pastor Don that I don't know if they were crazy or just full of faith or maybe a little of both. But when they first moved into this building, the first Sunday, they had church here. They had 75 people in attendance. And that is a big step of faith. And that is a big mortgage payment. And that is all those kind of things. But they believed they believe for what we're seeing today. They knew that they needed to do something that would reach a community. And so I'm so grateful for uh, a family who would say, hey, we're going to lay it all. We're going to lay it all on the line. We're all in. We're going to take a big risk and do something big for the glory of God. And it's paid off in what we see today. So thank you, Don and Linda. Appreciate you. I don't know if you stood. Stand and let us honor you. Stand up. Let's give them a round of applause today, guys. Thank you. Without people that were willing to take big risks and help us get to where we are today, uh, we wouldn't be where we are today. And so I want us to be a church that remembers our heritage, that when they started this church in 1948, um, they took a risk. When they built the original building over on Church Street in 1952, it was a risk. When they moved over here, it was a risk. Um, and I believe God is asking us to do big things for his glory and take some risks if, if I can say it like that, but it's not really a risk when God asks us to. But we're going to do some things that the world might go, man, that is a little crazy for you to do that. But we're going to do it, and someday there are going to be people that look back and go, thank God they took a risk to help us get to where we are today. And so I appreciate those that have blazed a trail for us to help us get to where we are today. So thank you guys so much, uh, pastors. appreciate you guys being here today. Uh, if you don't know them, get to know them. Stop by and say hi to them following our worship experience. They're gonna be here for our dedication ceremony as well. So take a minute and tell them thank you. If uh, you've been part of our church and you know them, please stop by and give them a hug and tell them you appreciate them. Um, Linda actually gave me a stack of photos last night from construction on this building. And so I was thumbing through those, them this morning when I got in here. And there are some people in our church that... Uh, <laughs> I got to be careful how I say this. I didn't know they had as much hair as they used to have <laughs> or that they were skinny as they used to be. Um, but uh, some of those pictures, you know, from the, from the late 90s and early 2000s, uh, it was great to see that, again, people were doing some hard work to help us get to where we are today. And I, I appreciate that so much. I'm so grateful for what God has done um, in our body and what he's continuing to do. Uh, we are finishing up a series today called Seeds. And we started this series a few weeks ago. And what we're doing is we're looking at our spiritual life and our development through the lens of, um, of trees, basically. Uh, scripture talks a lot about trees. Um, Jesus does specifically, but 
we see that our beliefs, our identity, and our actions are, are need to be in alignment for us to produce the fruit that God wants us to produce. And so we've talked over the last few weeks about uh, week one, we talked about our, our root system, and our roots represent our beliefs. That's what we believe. Our trunk represents our identity, who we are. Last week, Kim did a wonderful job of preaching on that. If you missed it, please go back and listen to that. Uh, but she did a great job of talking about our identity in Christ and where it's found. And that's our trunk. That's offers support and protection. But then we talked about our branches as well, and our branches are our actions and what we do. And all those things have to be in alignment with the Word of God in order for us to produce the fruit that God wants us to produce in our lives. And fruit is a big deal. We talk about fruit a lot. You see the fruit of the Spirit and all kinds of things throughout Scripture. And we all agree fruit is a good thing. Um, I never struggled when I was a kid to eat fruit. Um, my mom had to make me eat stuff like, uh, like Brussels sprouts. Does anybody like Brussels sprouts? I'm praying for you. Maybe we just need to stop the service and pray right now. We're going to lay hands on you. Um, Brussels sprouts, like if you have to dress it up, I don't know that it's really worth eating. People always say things like, well, I love fish. I just don't like the taste of fish. And it's like, well, you don't like fish then. You're right. You got to dress it up. Um, and so fruit is, come on. You put fruit on dessert. You're not putting broccoli on top of your ice cream, are you? No, you're putting fruit on top of your, but we all like fruit. Um, but sometimes we think about it in the wrong context, in the wrong way. Um, and so today we're going to talk just a little bit about fruit and the fruit that Jesus wants for our lives and from us. Um, in John chapter 15, this is a passage that we've referred to over the last few weeks. Um, I talked about it in the week we talked about branches two weeks ago. Last week, Kim talked about it a little bit in terms of uh, the trunk. Uh, but I'm going to read John chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 1. This is Jesus talking, and this is what he says. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. So he says, I am the trunk, and my Father, the God, is the gardener. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So right from the start, he emphasizes the importance of fruit and the presence of fruit in our life. That if fruit isn't evident and present, there's a problem. So he said, if there's no fruit on the branch, it's going to be cut off and taken away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may, that it may bear more fruit. Everybody say, more fruit. This is the goal. Jesus said, it's not enough for you just to bear fruit. I want you to bear more fruit. Verse 3 says, you're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, I just want to stop right here. There's some of you in this room that you've been going through the motions, trying to do the right things spiritually. You've been attending church. You've been trying to read your Bible, trying to pray, and you're doing all those things, but you just don't feel like there's any forward progress or motion. And I, I would, we're going to talk about this in just a minute, but I want you to ask yourself, am I just doing the right things or am I connected to the vine? Am I connected to the trunk? Because just like if you cut a branch off a tree, it's not going to bear fruit. But if the tree is connected to the branch, there's life that's flowing to the branch and it's going to bear fruit. So sometimes we're disconnected, but we're doing the right things. So we think, oh, well, fruit must be happening. But if we're not connected to Jesus, there's not going to be any life flowing from us. So what he says is if you're disconnected, you're not going to bear any fruit. He said in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. So again, he says, I am the trunk and you are the branches that come off of the trunk. He says, he who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. 
Skip on down to verse 8. He says, my father is glorified by this. So this, this should be a key indicator for us that we should have our antennas go up when we hear this because Jesus says, if you want to glorify God, here's what you need to do. This is what he's saying. He said, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. So this is the third time in eight verses that Jesus has emphasized the fact that we need to bear more fruit. So he says that you bear much fruit. And listen to this. And so prove to be my disciples. So he says two really important things in this passage. He says, number one, if you want to glorify God, bear much fruit. That's how God is glorified. God's not glorified because you show up to church regularly. God wants you to show up to church regularly. But at the end of the day, it's not through robotic action. It's not through religious action. It is all about the fruit we produce in our lives. So Jesus says, if you want to glorify God, bear much fruit fruit. And then he gives this, this statement at the end. He says, and so prove to be my disciples. What he's saying is that fruit is the evidence of our affection or of our devotion. That the fruit that we produce in our life is evidence of what we love and what we care about. Because the truth is, every one of us in this room bears fruit. Even unbelievers bear fruit. You can bear good fruit. You can bear bad fruit. But we bear fruit. And so what Jesus is saying is your spiritual fruit shows us, reveals what you care about and what you love, what you value. See, spiritual fruit is produced in our lives when our root system and our trunk and our branches are in alignment. So when our beliefs and our identity and our actions are all founded and rooted in Jesus Christ, spiritual fruit, the good fruit is produced out of our lives. And it's not produced by us. It's produced by the Spirit of God in us. But it comes in alignment, just like a tree. If a tree is healthy, its root system and its trunk and its branches work together to produce fruit. And that's what should happen in, in the life of a Christian as well. Um, when you see this word, this phrase over and over and over in this passage where Jesus says, bear much fruit, um, I'd love to dazzle you with the Greek when it comes to the word fruit, but it, then bear fruit, it just means produce fruit. So that's it. There's nothing special there. It's exactly what it seems to indicate. But when you look at the word much, because we skip over this sometimes, we talk about bearing fruit, but Jesus doesn't stop at bearing fruit. He doesn't say, hey, I want you to bear some fruit when you can. Hey, maybe a little bit here or there. I mean, you don't want to brag or show off, so keep it, you know, keep it simple. No, he says, bear much fruit. In fact, he says it three times. He says, bear more fruit, bear much fruit, bear much fruit. And the word much and more are the same Greek word translated just a little differently. Because what they do is they'll take the same Greek word, and depending on the context, they'll translate it just a little differently for, for the sentence structure. And so if, you, if you'll indulge me, can I read to you the ways that it's interpreted throughout the New Testament, the same Greek word for much? Just to illustrate, I think, what Jesus is looking for from us and out of us. So the same word translated as much, it's palus in the Greek. And this is how it's translated in the New Testament. This is the same words. Better, even more, full, great, greater, greater numbers, greater in quantity, large, many, more, much more, much, plentiful, very large, very much. Are you getting an idea for the kind of fruit that God wants to see out of our lives. He, he's not interested in just a little bit, a tiny harvest. What he wants is an abundance of fruit flowing out of our lives. He wants us, he wants us to be walking around. People say, man, that, that dude's fruity, right? 
Maybe not exactly. But what he wants for us is to produce so much fruit that it's evident. Now, I'm the first person to tell you that I want you not just to let your life be a testimony. I want your words to be a testimony. Because there's something powerful about our stories. Scripture tells us that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So when we tell people about what God has done in our lives and how we've been transformed, there's something powerful to that. So I'm the first person to tell you, no, 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 live a godly life, but tell people about what God's done in your life. That's what we're called to do. But I'll tell you this, I think God is calling us to live such lives of devotion for him that our lives are spilling over with fruit, that people see us and they recognize the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, that we don't have to tell them we're a Christian because they see us and go, man, there's something about that guy. There's something about that lady. There's something about this family. Uh, We had our Easter outreach uh, this weekend, yesterday, Um, 50,000 plus eggs and thousands of people. It was a great day, Uh, lots of volunteers, so I'm so grateful. But um, I was going through last night and looking at some of the comments on Facebook, and there was a lady who commented, it was a really simple comment, not terribly profound, but she just said, uh, this was my first experience with this church, and everyone was so kind. And I read that, and I said, yes, right? Thank you, God. It wasn't, my kids had a great time because they won all the prizes. That's wonderful. That's great. But she said, there was something about those people. And I man, I just had a good experience. Do you know what she's saying without saying it? I saw fruit. There was, there was kindness. There was goodness. This is what we said. Uh, Jesus said, hey, the world will you know you're my disciples, you're my followers by your love one for another. And I, and I truly believe when we love each other well, that fruit is born and it's attractive and people go, man, there's something about that. I can't even describe it. There's something about that I like and want to be a part of. And that's the fruit that's born in our lives. And it doesn't happen when we go, well, it's good enough and I can just bear a little fruit and I'll just do what I have to do. What's the minimum standard? That's what I'm going to do. See, God doesn't care about the minimum standard. Do you know how I know that? Because Jesus said, I want you to bear much fruit. And he said it three times. And he says, I want you to bear more, greater, larger. He wants more from us because it's making a difference in the world. The fruit we produce is having an impact in the world around us. But our fruit is not just our actions. It's not just what we do. It's it's more than just what we do. Um, And the reason I know that is that in Revelation chapter 2, God is speaking to the church at Ephesus. And uh, this was a church that was close to the heart of Paul. He planted planted the church in in Ephesus, and he was close to the people. And anyway... um, God speaks to the church at Ephesus, and he says this basically, and this is just paraphrased the first couple of verses. He basically says, you've done a great job. You're working really hard. You're doing all the right things. Um, you, you, you work diligently. Um, the people that aren't believers, that, that claim to be believers, you're, you're weeding them out. You're not, you're not letting heresy stand. You're doing all the things you're supposed to do. And then we get to verse four and he says this. This is God speaking to the church. And he says, but I have this against you. And I don't know, even if you're not a believer, you have to understand if God says I have this against you, that's a bad sign. He says, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. And you go, well, how could this be? If they're doing all the right things, and what God is saying is you're doing all the right stuff, but there's not an alignment with your beliefs and your identity and your actions. Something's out of alignment because you're not producing the right fruit. You're doing some of the right things, but it's not just about our actions. It's about our motivation. It's about our heart. 
And if those things aren't in alignment, we're not going to produce the right fruit. I said this earlier, we, we, we can even produce bad fruit. You, you might know those people, right? You might live with some of those people. They're producing bad fruit. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, he says this in verse 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Um, if I'm walking through the produce section of the grocery store, um, I'm thankful that they have labels. But have you ever been walking through and you see uh, fruit that you don't recognize? Have you ever seen like the fruit with like the spikes on it? Who was the first person that tried that stuff out anyway? So you got the fruit with the spikes on it. I don't know what it's called. I don't know if it's delicious. It might be great. I don't have any idea. I'm not going to try it though, right? But I don't know what it is, but do you know what I know? I know what it's not. It is not an apple because I've had an apple before. I have the Granny Smith, the Red Delicious. I got them all, right? I like me some apples. But I can walk through the produce section and go, not an apple because it's got a spike and my apples don't have spikes on them, right? And this is what happens in the spiritual world as well. We might not recognize the fruit all the time, but we recognize what it's not. And there's some times that God helps us see the fruit, and we go, well, they got good intentions, but at the end of the day, what we produce is a revelation about who we are. It's a revelation about what we believe. It's a revelation about our identity. And he helps us see that just because we are producing fruit doesn't mean it's good fruit. We need to check ourselves and check our hearts and let the Holy Spirit check us. In fact, Jesus was criticized by uh, some of the religious authorities, and they were saying he was of the devil. And Jesus, that Jesus refuted them in Matthew 12, 33, and he says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. So what he's saying to them is, is you see my fruit, and you're saying it's good, but you're saying I'm of the devil. And he said, it can't be that way. If the fruit is good, the tree must be good. If the fruit is bad, the tree's bad. So the fruit is a revelation of the identity of the tree. Luke chapter 8, Jesus was talking to his disciples and um, very agrarian society, lots of farmers, lots of farming. And, and so he's trying to help them understand the word. And so he's trying to make it plain language for them. And so he describes a situation, I won't read the whole passage to you, but he describes a situation where a man goes out to, to sow, uh, sow some seed. And so he goes out and he sows seeds and he describes the different situations. He sows seed on the path or near the path. And what happens is when he sows that seed, the birds come in and they eat up the seed before it can take root. And then he describes this man sowing seed on rocky soil. And the rocky soil seed, it springs up quickly, but it withers when the sun comes out because it has no root system, because it can't go deep. He, he describes um, the third set of seed that's sowed into an area that's it's got weeds and thorns. And so the plant comes up, but then the thorns and the weeds quickly crush the life and they suck the life out of the, the plant and it dies before it bears fruit. And then he talks about the good soil. The seed goes on good soil and it springs up and it brings life and it brings fruit. 
And they didn't understand what he was talking about. So then he went back and described it. He said, well, let me explain. The, the seed on the path, the seed represents the word of God. So when someone hears the word of God, uh, the enemy can come in, the devil can come in and steal it from us before we let it take root. And he talks about the rocky soil. And this is the person who hears the word of God and they experience the presence of God and they come to life. But because there's no root system, because there's not a depth in relationship, because there's the things that are missing there, they, they can't go deep. And all of a sudden, strife and turmoil comes and they just wither and fade because their root system's not developed. And then the, the, the seeds that were sown in the weeds and the thorny soil, it says that these people are like the people that get sidetracked with the cares of this world. And they're not bad but they get focused on all the different things that distract us and take us away from mission and, and vision that God has for us. And as a result, uh, all the different things choke the life out of it and we can never bear fruit. And then finally, in Luke eight fifteen, he says this, but the seed in good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. And so we see this clear link where he said, hey, the seed is planted in good soil, and the ultimate result is that there is fruit that is born. And what we have to understand is in our life, every one of us have had a seed planted in us. If you are a child of God, if you're a follower of Jesus, that you've had a seed planted in you that's, that's growing and developing and it's, it's trying to bear fruit, and maybe it is, but, but there's a seed that was planted in you that's bearing fruit. Someone planted that seed. Maybe it was a dad or a mom, a coach or a youth pastor. Maybe it was at a, message, uh, at a sermon like this one. Maybe it was at a camp. I don't know what it was. But there was a seed that was planted in you. It was cultivated and developed, and now it's growing. What we see, though, when it comes to fruit is the principal botanical purpose of fruit is the protection and dissemination of seed. See, we think seed is just for consumption. I mean, the fruit is just for consumption, right? Because we eat oranges and apples and bananas, and they're delicious, and that's what they're for. Or we think it's for decoration. You put it in a bowl and you don't touch it, that's the fruit for display, right? We don't eat that fruit, it's just for looks. You, you don't do that with vegetables, do you? You're putting a bowl of potatoes out of the, no, you don't, because fruit is lovely, right? But that's what we think fruit is for, but that's not the case. From a botanical point of view, the fruit serves to protect the seed and to disseminate the seed because the tree's purpose is to replicate itself over and over and over as many times as it possibly can. So what the tree does is it hides the seed inside its fruit so that some animal will come along, get the fruit, take the fruit away, and deposit the seed someplace. And I would say the same is true in our spiritual lives. See, our fruit is not to make us look better. It's not to make us feel better. Oh, I did what I was supposed to do. Look at that. I get a gold star by my name. That's not what this is about. See, the, the spiritual fruit you're producing in your life is 100% about seed. It's about taking that seed places it could never go on its own. It's about protecting the seed and making sure that the word can be planted somewhere else that it needs to be planted. See, the fruit isn't for you. It's for others. The seed in that fruit is not for you. It's for someone else who needs to hear and needs to know. So when we produce fruit in our lives, that's why Jesus can say, no, 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 I want you to bear much fruit. I want you to bear more fruit than you ever thought possible. 
Because it's not just about making you look good or making God look good or or helping you feel better because you produce fruit. The the fruit is all about, 100% about carrying seed and planting the word of God in places that it needs to go all over the world. That's what it's about. See, the, the seed's primary purpose is to bear fruit. And the fruit's primary purpose is to carry the seed everywhere it needs to go. When we started looking at this series a couple months ago, I bought a packet of seeds uh, from a website online. I was curious, and I want them to show you uh, the seeds that, that we picked up. Um, and I, I, on the picture that I took, I actually put it with a penny to give you a frame of reference for how, how big the seeds were. So I was going to just hold them up for you to see, but you couldn't have seen them. They were too small. But you can take a look. These are a bunch of the seeds that were part of that packet, and you see the penny, obviously. So you see how big the seeds are. So I, I'm, I don't do this very often. I just want to open it up. Does anybody want to guess what kind of seeds these are? Hemlock, that's a good guess. You're wrong. <laughs> Who else? Anybody else? Snapdragon. Snapdragon. That's an interesting guess. No, you're wrong. Sorry. Christmas tree. Brussels sprouts. <laughs> Security, security, can I get? What else? Any other guesses? Apples, spruce, no, no. Mustard, no. It's a good guess. You've been around church some, haven't you? Okay. Somebody said, one of our college students said something really big. Well, let's show you the picture of what it, what it is. See, the tree on the left there is, it's a sequoia. It's a coastal redwood. That tree is Hyperion. It is the largest coastal redwood in existence today. It's 379 feet, four inches tall. On the right of that is the Statue of Liberty, 305 feet tall. On the right of that is Big Ben in London, 316 feet tall. And on the very far left, at the very bottom, that's you. So I want you to look at this, the tiny seeds that I could fit a hundred of them in my hand with no problems. One of those seeds can produce a tree that's 400 feet tall, that can live for 2,000 years. One tiny seed, one tiny seed can produce that. See, some of you are here today and you go, who am I? I don't have a degree, I don't have a high paying job, I'm not anybody special. What you are is a seed that God wants to use and what God wants to use you in amazing ways. You've got potential in you that you can't imagine. The question is, are you going to put it in the right environment? Are you going to allow it to be cultivated so God can grow you and develop you and see fruit from your life that can take you places you never dreamed possible? There's a passage I want to read to you in Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says this, You have been born again. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. Through the living and abiding word of God. If one tiny perishable seed can produce a 400 foot tree that can live for 2,000 years. What can the imperishable seed that's the word of God that's planted in your heart, what could that produce? You think that redwood is big? You can't even imagine what God wants to produce in your life through the the seed that's been planted in you. How does that happen? It happens when we produce fruit and we send that seed everywhere. We carry that seed and protect that seed. But God wants to use you. You're an important part of God's plan and purpose to replicate himself. That redwood tree's goal is to replicate itself over and over and over and over again. 
It's using its fruit and its seeds. It's spreading its seed everywhere it can. And that's God's purpose for us as well, to replicate him over and over and over again. He's inviting us to be a part of it, and that's what he wants from us and for us. See, that's why he can say our purpose is to produce much fruit, because it's not about the fruit, it's about the seeds, and it's about the lives that are changed when we will just be obedient to do what he's asking us to do. Let's pray together. God, we love you so much, and we're so grateful for your son. You sent to this world to die for us, to pay the price for our sins so that we could, that we could have true life. So God, I pray for each person in this place today, each person who might be far from you today, each person here who feels like their life could never amount to anything, God, let them see the seed that's been planted in them and what you want to do in their life and what the fruit in their life could unlock and do. So God, I pray that we would not settle for lives that just get by, that we just experience church and go through the motions, but God, give us a deep desire to know you in a very rich way so that our beliefs and our identity and our actions would be in alignment with you so that we can bear much fruit, so that we can, Lord, plant your seed in the word of God everywhere we go. Have your way with us, Lord. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, Mel, you know what? I'm not really in relationship with God. I'm not walking with Jesus. The truth is, when you talked about the, the vine and the branch and talked about the branch being separate, I'm, I'm like that separate branch. My life is not producing anything of value because I'm not connected with God. I'm not connected with Jesus. I, I need to be. I'm not gonna embarrass you or make you come forward, but if you're here today and you recognize that's you, I just wanna ask, would you, would you be bold enough just to slip your hand up real high where I can see it? I'll acknowledge it and you can put your hand down. Thank you, back on my right. Thank you. Thank you. Over here on my left. Thank you, man. A couple hands here on my left. Praise the Lord. Up at the balcony. I see you up there, man. Thank you. Over here on my left on the floor. Thank you. Who else? Who else says, Mel, pray for me. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. Thank you. Over here on my right. All right. I want to ask every person in this place, whether you raised your hand or not, just to say this really simple prayer after me. Pray this out loud. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me and thank you for saving me by paying the price for my sins on the cross. Use my life for your glory. Help me live a life that bears much fruit and help me not be satisfied with anything less than your best. Take my life and use it. I'm never going back to my old ways or my old life. I confess you as Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God a round of applause today for what he's done? Thank you, Jesus. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, just like a seed is planted in the ground and needs to be cultivated, we want to help uh, get you in the right environment and help you grow in your faith so you can bear fruit. Uh, there's a card that looks like this one I see back in front of you. On one side it says need prayer. On the other side it says salvation. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it today, please fill this card out for us. It'll take two minutes. Fill it out and drop it in one of our offering boxes before you leave today. If you'd rather not fill that card out for whatever reason, um, or maybe you're watching online, you can do something really simple. Text the word salvation, S-A-L-V-A-T-I-O-N, to the number 555-888. Let us know. We want to get connected with you. We're going to resource you, get you in uh, the right places so that you can grow in your faith. We want to help you do that. 
And this is what's going to happen right now. Our prayer team is going to come forward as we begin to sing. Our worship team is going to lead us in one final song. We're going to worship together one more time. If you have prayer needs of any kind, don't leave here today without being prayed for. Let our prayer team agree with you. So step out from your seat as we begin to sing. Find one of them and let them agree with you in prayer today. Then in just a moment, uh, Steph McCoy is going to come up and she'll close us out and dismiss the service. Uh, After that, uh, you can stay in your seats. We'll have a little bit of a break before our dedication ceremony. If you want to go out and take a break or whatever, but we'll be starting at 1230 in here. But I do want to tell you one thing. You might have seen this as you were coming in. Uh, What we wanted to do this weekend is make sure everybody got a packet of seeds. So these are not coastal redwood. They wouldn't grow here very well. But um, what these are, are um, our eastern hemlock, which is, I think, what Luke guessed earlier. Uh, these are eastern hemlock seeds. And, and what these are, the state tree of Pennsylvania, these are going to grow well in your, the environment locally. Um, but what I would love for you to do is take these seeds, and maybe as a family you plant them. Um, maybe you plant a couple of them. And as this tree grows, you can talk to your family about the goodness of God and how God wants us to develop as, as Christians and as believers. And that will be a continual reminder of God's goodness and grace in our lives. So I want you to take one of those with you as you leave, one per family, and, uh, and use that as an illustration of how God uses us and ministers through us. So that is our gift to you. We just want to say thank you for being here and worshiping with us this weekend. Stand your feet all over the room. We're going to worship together one more time. Uh, Todd and the worship team are going to lead us. And, um, and we're just going to go after God for a few minutes. But I want you to know something, guys. I love you more than you know. I'm so honored I get to be your pastor. Thank you for being here today. Please stick around for our dedication ceremony here shortly. God bless you.